And so the first stage was how do we build out true demand planning? So how do I give the same level of attention to... We had about 50 products in our in our SKU account. So how do I give the same level of attention to every single product? So the first thing I did was really mapped out what operationally needs to happen for us to make sure that we can optimize every one of our listings and we can create enhanced brand content and we can drive external traffic and we can do all the things that are really needed. So planning was the first step. So I spent a lot of time understanding what's the magnitude, what's the resource allocation required. And then I went off and I started to build the teams that could deliver the same level of attention to every single listing and make hard decisions. So we started to build KPIs and metrics against each of the different performers. And we would give them a certain period of time to say, is this really inside of our brand portfolio? Does this make sense for us to keep? Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another EcomOps podcast. Today I'm talking to Yoni Kosminski from Iskela and Multiply Me. This is really uh, great because Iskela is a premium business consultation service for Amazon, e-commerce and agencies that seriously are considering scaling the business to new heights. And Multiply Me um, helps you to offshore staffing um, and enhance your businesses um, looking to 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 win new uh, great resources um, that help you grow your business. Uh, welcome, Yoni. Great to meet you. Norbert, great to meet you, and thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely happy to have you on board. Um, Yoni, tell me a bit about yourself. How did you get into e-commerce? Sure. So my journey started many years ago. Um, I grew up in the age of when social media wasn't a thing. So my first foray into digital, let's say, was back in about 2009, where I launched Mercedes-Benz Australia and New Zealand social assets. So there was no Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest for brands back then. And so I grew up in that stage. So everything from web development to design to SEO, um, you know, I was building e-commerce websites as early as probably 2012 in the agencies that I'd worked for and sort of grown up in. And fast forward, you know, probably close to 10 years, um, I found my way into an Amazon business about two or three years ago, where uh, a, little, a little longer now, probably maybe four or five years ago, where it was doing 2 million in revenue. Uh, I came on as a, as a uh, well, I wasn't a co-founder, but I was a, a director of the business and managed to scale it from 2 to 5 million in 12 months. And Wow, that's great. Yeah, so so that was really my first step into let's say the Amazon world, e-commerce. You know, significantly more time inside of that, uh, and it's changed a lot. The landscape has changed a lot over the last five, ten years. But in particular, I'd say over the last sort of three or four years, huge shift toward online. So that was my my step into it. Mm-hmm. Wow! And and what was the impetus behind uh, founding Multiply Me and uh, Iskela? So, so inside of that experience, inside of that Amazon business that was ultimately acquired by Thrasio, I understood that for a lot of e-commerce sellers, 
they were looking at it as Amazon. They were Amazon store owners, not business owners. So how do we effectively recreate what we did inside of that Amazon business that enabled it to scale from 2 to 5 million in 12 months? We actually had built a team in the Philippines. So, uh, you know, I managed to build a, a high functioning team. So from ops managers to supply chain specialists and inventory and logistics specialists all the way through to creative directors and designers and web developers and a whole customer support function. We built out a whole team, highly efficient at a low cost, obviously, given that the cost of living there is about 50 to 80% less, depending on whether it's regional or you know, inside of Manila will dictate sort of what the cost of living is, but really understood that you could find incredible talent some of the best talent I would argue that I've worked with in my life uh, over in the Philippines and at a fraction of the price. So that was the impetus was how do we then provide this solution to other e-commerce sellers so that they can truly scale their business? And that was the step into it. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that the other business, Escala, uh, was started very shortly after where what ultimately happened was I came across a number of management consultants who were ex- Ernst & Young in the Philippines that came from a process improvement background, initially engaged them to build out our process improvement function and, and effectively help take what we did inside of that Amazon business, but you know, on steroids because it is from a big four management consulting practice. And then we effectively rolled that into another business as well. So that, that was it. Like If you look at the premise, what's the impetus? It's how do we help professionalize the e-commerce space so that they can keep compete with big box sellers. Awesome. This is really great um, and, and, and very interesting. I think uh, there is a high demand for finding um, uh, qualified, high, uh, high qualified stuff. Um, and um, they, the, the world gives us the opportunity now to, 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 offshore, uh, to work with offshore and, and, and the people that are not living in the same location where you are. This is really um, a great opportunity. Um, well, I'm really interested in, you told to me that you scaled the uh, Amazon business from 2 million to 5 million in 12 months. This is really an um, insane number. Uh, how did you do that? What was the key driver? A few key drivers. Um, I think, I think like as a, as a, if you're at 2 million right now or a million or half a million or 3 million, I think the first stage is mindset. So a lot of people, when they get to those stages in particularly Amazon, but I'd say in general in e-commerce, they've built a great brand or a great product and they're focused on how do I improve my PPC? How do I optimize my listing? How do I identify new products, which usually gets pushed toward the background. And ultimately, usually one, two, three, maybe five products rise to the top and you might have a 50 SKU count, 100 SKU count, and all the attention gets focused in on those products that are performing. That's you know the typical... I'm, I'm, I'm using, talking about the typical Amazon or e-commerce or marketplace business owner. And so the first stage was how do we build out true demand planning? So how do I give the same level of attention to... We had about 50 products in our in our SKU uh, account. So how do I give the same level of attention to every single product? So the first thing I did was really mapped out what operationally needs to happen for us to make sure that we can optimize every one of our listings and we can create enhanced brand content and we can drive external traffic and we can do all the things that are really needed. So planning was the first step. So I spent a lot of time understanding what's the magnitude, what's the resource allocation required. And then I went off and I started to build the teams that could deliver the same level of attention to every single listing and make 
hard decisions. So we started to build KPIs and metrics against each of the different performers. And we would give them a certain period of time to say, is this really inside of our brand portfolio? Does this make sense for us to keep you know, giving the same level of attention to say a product that's doing a million dollars a year versus one that's doing $20,000 a year, for example. Mm-hmm. So, so that was sort of the baseline. On the back of that, building out the resources to actually, you know, uh, give the right amount of attention to each one of these resources. So we started hiring. We started hiring managers to build out functions inside of the team. And obviously, knowing what I said before, the cost of, the cost of living is significantly less in the Philippines. And so as a result, like a lot of e-commerce businesses, we were generating a lot of revenue. Uh, we were growing quickly and it was a very profitable product too. So we could reinvest all of the money into building teams so that it would buy us more time, more focus, and allowed us to streamline our product development roadmap, which also became a key focus. How do we keep creating more winning products? So that was a, a, another aspect of it. Um, but, but honestly, like to, to, to break it down really simply... We put the time into plan. We stopped trying to have, you know, stop trying to have the team be generalists. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a finance guy. I'm not great at supply chain and inventory planning. These aren't my skill sets. So we brought in professionals where they'd had 10, 15, 20 years experience. And these guys were the top of their game. And so we brought in professional resources just to, just to throw out a few things as to what we, what we were able to achieve. And this is not your job, actually. So you are a scaling expert <laughs> and uh, you're known as a scaling expert. Um, what is a common mistake that people in e-commerce make uh, when it comes to scaling the business? Yeah, common mistakes would be like the, the founders that I came into that business was that they can handle absolutely everything. Um, so if you want to truly scale a business, you have to be... You have to be comfortable with a certain degree of handing things off and understanding that not everything is going to be exactly as you would do it. But I would also argue that not you're not going to be able to do everything the best. So I'll give you a prime example. The founder of the business was trying to do image creation on Canva and also trying to do PPC management and also inventory planning. Now, most people are not both left and right brain. It's very rare that you find people who are both creative and very numbers focused. So common mistake, don't try and handle everything yourself, right? There's critical decisions that you need to make as a business owner or as the person driving um, the shift, so to speak. Make good decisions on what things need to be used specifically versus things that you can delegate out. And I would say another critical mistake is a lack of planning. You know, for a lot of business owners, they have a, you know, when we talk about e-commerce here, they have a great product idea. You know, a lot of these entrepreneurs are great innovators when it comes to product ideas. Focus on the areas where you have the most intrinsic value creation in your business and delegate the rest. And then Mm -hmm. I'd say another key mistake is not, you know, what gets measured gets managed. And so for a lot of people, they're simply, you know, they're looking at the revenue, you know, they're focusing on vanity metrics like revenue, whereas they should be looking at, well, what's the profitability of these product lines? How do I get all of the information I need to make high level decisions rather than getting into the weeds of every single thing? For you as the business owner, your, your objective is how do I empower my hopefully team to deliver? How do I give them all the tools and resources they need so that they can then 
give you the information needed to make the right decision. So there's a few common mistakes I would say people make. Yeah, uh, fully agree. Absolutely. Um, your companies, uh, Multiply Me and the Scaler, provide different solutions um, aimed uh, taking the e-commerce and Amazon businesses to the next level. Um, talk to me a bit about the approaches. Um, why are both types of solutions important? And, and what's yeah. the difference, actually? For sure. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you sort of the, the short of it was that Honestly, the, the market wasn't ready for a company like Escala. So Escala is a process improvement consultancy, much like EY, I mean, functions of EY, Bain, BCG, um, Accenture, Deloitte. They have and effectively work with large corporates to do the same sort of work, not specifically in e-commerce. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to democratize the ability to deliver consulting solutions for businesses that couldn't afford to fork out a million dollars, $5 million plus in, you know, it's not realistic for an e-commerce owner. So mm. because we leverage the geolocation-based arbitrage out of the Philippines and we leverage the same talent pool that they do. So most of our consultants come from EY, for example, mm. or Accenture or Deloitte or any one of the other big consulting firms. So we built a business in a scala that the market wasn't exactly ready for, whereas Multiply Me very, very known, uh, offshore, outsourced, you know, it's been around for a long time. So to go back, what, it, what does each business do? Multiply Me is executive search and HR function into the Philippines. So we help find the best talent, high-level talent in the Philippines, and we also help integrate it. So we handle things like healthcare, payroll, social security, HMO, PhilHealth, 13 months, the things that are a little bit, let's call it messy, to handle if you don't know what you're doing, you know, these are the things that help attract better talent, but people don't don't really know how to to do it. It took obviously a bit of time to figure out how does this all work over in the Philippines. So um, when you're looking to scale and you want to find talent, multiply me really serves as a guide of well, who do I actually need and at what time and what's the right first, second, fiftieth, hundred and fiftieth hire? What does that okay. actually look like? That's multiply me. Escala, on the other hand, will look and effectively... So that's like an ongoing, full-time, dedicated resource into a business. We hire full-time talent into companies. And so if you're ready to hire talent, that's where you'd go. You go to Multiply Me and we'll help guide you through and find better talent than you would find on onlinejobs.ph, for example, which I like to call the gateway drug to the Philippines, where you can, you know, you can kind of find talent that's just good enough to do baseline tasks, but it's not the high-level professionals that I'm talking yeah. about here. Yeah. Escala, on the other hand, is like a project-based management consulting. And this is really for people who I would say are a little bit more established or more serious about where they want to take their business because that's a lot more involved. So we deploy management consultants into your business. We interview, shadow, and review all the key stakeholders to really build the framework as to like what is the high-level process that's going on in the business. We all have them. Whether they're documented or they're not is really dependent on the business and most are not. So what we do is we actually document the process as how the team sees it functioning. And then what we'll do is we'll build the future state. So we'll build the org strategy and structure. Who do you need? When do you need them? And what are the triggers over the coming two and three and four years, for example, as you scale your business? You know, What are the most effective ways to build scalable solutions inside of the business. So when we're building out the SOPs, the training videos, the documentation, we're building it so that there's no, you know, there's no wastage here. You know, you might I'll give you an example. If you're an e-commerce business and you have 
a marketplace team and you have a D2C team. You might have different designers working on the same products, for mm-hmm. example, where maybe centralizing that makes more sense. I'm just throwing sort of a, a blanket statement here. Rather than doubling up on resource, how do you maximize your resources today so that you can you can scale? And when I talk or when I use the word scale, it's not about growing revenue because what we really want to do is we want to grow profitability. And the only way we do that is by creating efficiencies through economies of scale. So really looking at the business holistically and understanding how can we, you know, how can we squeeze every bit of juice out of the talent pool that we have without overworking them and understanding what those trigger clauses are to, to building it to the next layer and the next layer and the Got next it. layer. Yeah, that's that's a cool approach. Um, now, the, 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 the Amazon marketplace, uh, especially is saturated, making it difficult for companies to make a name for themselves. Um, what, what are your tips for standing out? So, so I would say the tips for standing out is uh, we've gone through. It's it's a bigger question. It's a big question. That it's a big um, question. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, just to take it a step back, right? I would say historically, let's say up until 2000, 2017, 2018, it was very easy to you know, and especially. 2016, 15, 14, very, very easy to simply go into AliExpress or Alibaba, you know, do a bit of keyword research on Amazon, understand what people were buying, and then simply just jump on and start to sell a product. And before you knew it, sales were coming, you know, you'd build a nice little review moat and you had a great product. Today, the game has changed drastically. So there's no more of just jumping on and making slight changes in a product and going through this process and negotiating down um, you know, what it's going to cost to actually source them. You really need to invest in building a brand. And when I talk about the term brand, it's not just... You're building a product that actually has... like Think about the customer profile of the avatar. What? Who are they? What are they going to be purchasing? What? How can I really, truly, deeply resonate with them as you know on the human level? So everything from design to product quality to the subset of products that I'm trying to build, I want someone to look at my product, and it might even be slightly more expensive, but I want them to feel a connection with the brand because yeah. you, you're not going to win racing to the bottom because there's always going to be, especially now, there's always going to be a Chinese supplier that manufactures direct in the source. And is going to be able to beat you on price. So what you really need to focus on are things that are going to set you apart as a brand. And that might be the catalog of products that make sense for your audience. It might be the actual experience. I mean, every little detail and taking Apple as a great example. You know, when Apple produces a product every single year, they release a new iMac, MacBook, iPhone, whatever it is that they're bringing out. They think of every single aspect of the experience from the touch, the feel, the look, the media, the creative, the the boxing, the packaging experience. I mean, not one stone is left unturned for them to really create an affinity. And I'm a massive Apple fanboy and have been for many years. And as a result, like they've won me over. I know it's a more expensive product. I know that Intel probably builds a better chip, you know, now that they've they've built the the M1 chip. Let's see what happens there. But the point I'm making is that I'm well aware that the power in some of these machines, probably at half the price, are likely better. But I'm committed to the brand that is Apple, and I love the, you know, the operating system, the OS of Mac, and I'm committed to it. So that's really the affinity that you want to create is that of a brand. 
Yeah, and I need to agree. And it's, it's not only Apple. It's actually every every single brand that that yeah. Let's let's talk about energy drinks. So there is only actually one energy drink, and it's Red, Red Bull. Bull. Yeah, I, absolutely. And there is only one Coke. Okay, in the US, it's also Pepsi, but actually, it's Coca Cola. Yeah, and I think it's it's really the 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 brand and the brand experience and everything aspect they are doing on on on, on building out that brand and that philosophy behind the brand and everything they are doing um, that, that are influencing um, the brand and the behavior. It's not inventing a new product or copying a product. It's really being um, being the product, uh, being being um, a, 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 a corporate tongue, a corporate language, a design, and every aspect around the product that brings you forward. I think this is um, yeah very very important. Um, a lot of planning and strategy goes into scaling an e-commerce business. Um, can you break down uh, your process of building out a long-term directive plan and strategy? Yeah, well, that's another big question here that you're hitting me with. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have time. It's, yeah. it's recorded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, again, I think it all starts, like you said, with planning. So when we talk about scaling a business, it's taking a stock take for, okay, depending on the stage you're at, right? If it's a brand new business, mm -hmm. it's a different experience. If it's, you have a product in market today or you're building a brand, it's very, it, it's very different. But the first thing is understanding what is my current state of play. So everything from the financials to the processes, to the personnel, to the future roadmap, I'm building out and understand, like I have right now, all of our current state SOPs. What happens at every stage of our business from you know, a new client or a prospective client discovers us as a business all the way through to what the offboarding, if it didn't go to plan, what that offboarding experience looks like. We built every single aspect so that one, no one individual, including myself, and I would say if you're a business owner, the thing you should be focused on first is how do I remove myself from the business, not how do I create myself as a, a key mover in it. You know, no one's starting a business. I guarantee you, anyone listening here who has an Amazon or e-commerce store, you didn't start the business to work 100 and you know, 80 hours a week inside of your business. That wasn't the objective. The objective was financial freedom to do something that you're passionate about. And so, if you take that mindset and you think back to, well, why did I actually start the business? It's to create more opportunities for myself yeah. and to have time focused on the things I love. So again, back to how do I scale an e-commerce business? So I'm building out the roadmap of what it looks like. I'm defining. So we, we for example, internally, we just went through uh, um, 4DX, four, discipline, four disciplines of strategy execution. So for us, as a senior leadership team, we built our wildly important goal, our WIG, of what we want to achieve over the next 12 months in the business. And we built all of the lead measures across each department of what do we need to do in our accounts team, in our finance team, in our marketing team, in our sales team, in our, you know, I mean, in our uh, client services team, etc. Like every single department built out what were their wildly important goals to achieve the parent wildly important goal, and then what are the three lead measures that will actually get us there to move the needle. So. We create strategic alignment across the entire business and you can do this for any business so that everyone understands that we're heading in the same path. So taking it back to e-commerce, how many products do I want to bring to market? Or if I'm really smart, what was the impact over the last 
two years of products that I've launched. How much revenue have they generated? What's the profitability attached to them? Well, logically speaking now, if I launch more products that are in this same you know, area and I have the buying audience and I understand how that maps, then it, you know what? It probably pays me to create five times as many products as I'm creating this year as it did last year. So reverse engineering what has worked to date, what do I need from an operational infrastructure to grow to the next level? And then what is my true goal? If you don't build out a directive, a, a guide, what you're trying to drive toward, then you know, you, you're not really driving into a single focus direction. And you can't really fail, right? Because you set no expectations. So, yep. you know, the reality is like everything's good because there was no expectations set. But when you start to set concrete goals and objectives and you understand and everyone understands where that's headed, then it creates focus. And you'd be amazed at how much more productive your entire team is when they understand where they're driving towards. So that also comes into the aligns with KPIs, you know, and performance management and reviews and understanding. Am I hitting my targets? Am I hitting my goals? And it's not about it's not about wrapping anyone on the back of the hands and saying, you know, you haven't delivered. It's even, you know, your team members, they want to understand, am I doing a good job? Am I helping move the needle? You know, everyone's looking for that validation at every layer and every level of the business. So helping people understand what that looks like, uh, it's a win-win. Awesome. Now, um, you also host uh, a podcast, Successful Sales. I love that. It's a really great name. Um, where, where you discuss challenges um, of uh, now successful business owners' um, experience um, on the road and, and success. So you cover a lot of things. Um, do you have any favorite takeaway from one of your episodes or guests? Yeah, great, uh, great question. So just to give the listeners a bit of context, Successful Scales is all about speaking to people who have grown large businesses. So we have a team, we have over 200 people on payroll today and we've been around for two years. And so about nine, 10 months ago, I started recording trying to help entrepreneurs miss all of the, the, all the things that I missed as I'm trying to scale this company. I couldn't learn fast enough. So I interview people who have grown really large companies and ask them the questions as to, You know, what are some of the insights around marketing or sales or, you know, org strategy and design? Like what, how are you building your companies? And the idea is really to help entrepreneurs not make the mistakes that I make throughout this journey. And so I'd say there's been a few really great episodes. I think uh, off the top of my head, uh, Cameron, um, COO Alliance, um, uh, uh, Cameron Herald. Great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can't off the top of my head name you all the insights that I took from it. But if you were to look, listen to, let's say, two or three episodes, I'd say that's one to listen to. Another one is with the, one of the co-founders of Thrasio. They're an aggregator that have raised $3.4 billion today. They were the fastest profitable unicorn in US history. Wow. And great insight to see what it was to grow from a team of four to 1,500 in three years. Really, really smart guy. John Hefter is one of the co-founders and I really love that episode. And lastly, I would say um, the one that I did with Ryan Tansom from Arcona. They're a fractional CFO solution, but he really talks about sort of the mindset when it comes to you know, why you would even consider exiting a business and how you would approach that. But most importantly, a lot of people are like, 
you've got to exit your business. You're going to make the most money you'll make throughout that process. He really talks about really understanding, well, well, why? You know, if I've got a profitable business and it's continuing to grow and I don't have, you know, platform risk and it's not centralized to Amazon, for example, then why am I rushing to sell it? If I have a lifestyle that is driving, you know, X thousand dollars a year and I can live comfortably and it'll continue to grow, then why? The, the why. So yeah, there's three good episodes. Well, thank you very much. Um, now, what role, um, if any, does automation play in your operations? Yeah, automation plays a huge role. Uh, in, in I expect any, that. <laughs> yeah, in, in anything. If you want to build anything for scale, um, then automation has to play a pretty significant role in... I would say it's never a position where you should be scared. Like at the start of any business... Humans drive everything. So, you know, getting into a state of automation, you don't have to automate everything at the start. You really need to think through how can I create efficiencies through it? So to give you some insight, we have an entire data and insights team. And inside of that, we have integrations between our HubSpot CRM to our uh, accounting zero software to uh, our recruitment applicant tracking system, ATS, where everything is housed and centralized. So as, for example, journeys move from our applicant tracking system, it connects to our HubSpot. So we understand that rather than having... We have a single source of truth for what's happening. And we and so it mitigates you know, misinformation or risk as to where do people sit inside of the funnel. For example, we have analytics dashboards that give us up-to-the-minute insights on business performance, everything from financials all the way through to operational deployment. Um, I would say, you know, I mean, the list goes on, but it literally touches every aspect of the business from when you enter our system all the way through to the entire journey. And we also have a whole product team that's building out, I would say, some pretty impressive automations and and digital first integrations so that our experience happens uh, digitally first. So... Yeah, if, you, if you're trying to build a big business, um, you know, even when the cost of labor in the Philippines is low, you can never get away from human error. And if someone today is performing the tasks that could be, a, a, you know, could be automated, then think about what it is for them and how motivated they're going to be to doing very baseline tasks. So always look to automate. Thank you very much. Now, my last question for today, uh, and it's always the same. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Oof, that is a great question. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I could put it down to any one individual. Um, like I remember back in the the old the olden days, <laughs> um, back ten years ago, I used to listen to uh, and do a lot of Ezra Firestone's courses on, um, you know, on true e-commerce DTC marketing. Um, you know, there's a lot of learning to be had there. I'd say today there's some super knowledgeable people in the space, um, particularly inside of the Amazon space. So Brandon Young, uh, who has seller systems, fantastic resource. If you're an Amazon seller, he has a community and that guy knows his shit. So yeah, it really depends on where you're at and at what level. I mean, if the question was about business. I could give you probably 15 books off the top of my head, but <laughs> I'd say th those would be two influential people. 
Perfect. We can post them if you want in the in the in the in the blog post for the for the podcast episode. Thank you so much for your time. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Um, there is so much knowledge that you have about growing a business and about Amazon. Um, I, I've learned that um, especially again back and we had that several times. Planning and having the data in shape is really the the key of of success. So um, focusing on what works and not on things that don't work. So if there are pro products that do not work, uh, why to focus on them? Just focus on the products that work uh, that help you grow your business and um, and 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 yeah, building a brand um, around what you're doing um, uh, is 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 critical to really thrive the business and 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 have success. Yoni, thanks so much. It was really a pleasure. Thanks Good for having me. Companies. Yeah. Thanks so much. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time. 